Here they go. Thank you, everybody. They add to the service, don't they? It's a blessing. I appreciate it. And good evening. Glad you're here tonight. I want to tell you, as I was thinking about tonight, I could not get away from the rapture. And I thought, well, you might have preached on the rapture before, and people might think, well, I know I, I heard him on that before. I, I don't know, but I always think of a lady who came to me one time, and I was at a church preaching. I preached in the morning, and I was going to preach in the evening, and uh, I decided I would just divide the message up, part of it in the morning, part of it in the evening. Well, I preached part of it in the morning, and then that afternoon, I think it snowed, and the evening service was canceled. So, at some time later, this lady came to me, and she said, I want to hear you preach the second part of that message. I said, well, maybe I will sometime. And she said, I, I really want to hear it. She said, I, I'll tell you the truth. I, I really can't remember what the first part was about, but I really want to hear the second part. So uh, I figure whatever I preached before, you might not remember anyway. So, But I, I want to talk about the rapture. What a wonderful, wonderful hope is ours. Uh, we are told that we are to be looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I hope you're looking. I hope you're looking with anticipation and expectation, desire that the Lord Jesus will come even today. Uh, Paul wrote to the Philippians and said that our conversation, old English rendering of the idea of citizenship our conversation our citizenship is in heaven from whence we look for the savior look we look we look i hope you're looking uh, we don't know what it's going to happen could happen today be okay with me be great be wonderful but we don't know uh, we do know this there are no signs no indicators that have to take place before the rapture occurs there are some things that could happen. could be very exciting. Uh, some of you have been to Israel. We've been to Israel a number of times. And, and every time we go, I get stirred about the thought of that next temple being built. And they're all ready. Uh, the Jewish people are ready. They're practicing Passovers. They've got all the, all the utensils, all the vessels needed. A uh, number of years ago, our son Jeff uh, was in Israel. And uh, he had read about harps being made that somebody in Israel was making harps ready for the the new temple so he read the story and this person is making harps and sending them all over the world literally sending them to people saying when the new temple gets built come to Jerusalem and bring the harp interesting so he was over and he was having dinner at the home of, of our guide who we had used and he started to tell her this story and she said oh I know those people she said they live right down you know whatever and he said you think I could visit oh yeah sure go ahead he went down they told the whole story I want to tell you those people believe the temple is going to be built now it might not be built before the rapture it doesn't have to be but it could be which would be extremely exciting so there are things that could happen before the rapture but nothing has to happen scripturally nothing prophetically has to happen before the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. We believe in the imminent, the any 
moment return of Christ. So let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the privilege of gathering back tonight to open your word. And we thank you that we come in hope and faith as we think of our blessed Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that he is coming again. We thank you that he promised he would come again. And we look for that and we long for that. And I pray that you would stir our hearts a little more deeply tonight with regard to this wonderful, wonderful truth. Well, thank you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. There were probably 15 different places or so where the raptures mentioned in the New Testament made reference to the Philippians 3 and to Titus chapter 2 and just a, a lot of places where you could turn to where that's just kind of built into the discussion of Paul or even the writer of the Hebrews and so on. And the passage that we're going to talk about tonight is probably the most familiar, but I love it, so uh, you're stuck with me on this one. So turn, if you will, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. As you're turning, I will mention to you that the church at Thessalonica was a good church. It was a great church. It was a church where the people served the Lord. And if we took time to go back to chapter 1, where Paul rehearsed with them what had happened when they got saved, he tells us as we read this letter, but he reminded them that when they got saved, everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. Uh, they turned to God from their idols, all that they had been involved in and worshiping. They turned away from all that. Uh, Paul said that they turned to serve God. They turned to serve the Lord. If there's any problem in the church today, among others perhaps, but any problem, people aren't serving. People aren't serving. It's great that we show up. Glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. But you know something? You've got to serve. And if you don't have some way of serving, there's nothing you're doing, nothing you're involved in, get involved. Find something to do. Go to Brother Andy. Go to Pastor. Go to Blaze. Go to somebody and say, I want to do something. Serve. Serve. That's exciting to serve. And then he also said that they turned to look for the Lord Jesus Christ. So they were looking. They were waiting, waiting for Christ to come back. Well, when I read 1 Thessalonians 4, I wonder what motivated Paul to write this section. And I'll tell you what I believe it is. But he talks about the rapture in chapter 1. And then he says here in chapter 4, verse 13, but, he said, but, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now, you know, asleep is the biblical term for the death of the Christian. The Christian who has died is asleep. It's not soul sleep, just body sleep. But he said, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Concerning them which have died. And then he said this, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. And I'll tell you what I think happened. Paul went, preached to them, people got saved, the church got started, and he told them, Jesus Christ is coming back. That's why chapter 1 says they were waiting for the Lord Jesus. 
And then, I believe, some of the folks of that church died. And now they're wondering, seemingly, what about them? We were looking for Christ. He hasn't come yet. What about them who have died? So Paul writes and he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about them. I don't want you to be ignorant. And he goes on and he says this, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. You know, some folks have no hope. I share with you uh, a dear pastor that we know and love. He got saved out of Catholicism, called into the ministry, pastors over in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania. And about three weeks ago, his dad, who was a deacon in the Roman Catholic Church, died. And no hope. No hope. And I know it broke that pastor's heart, but last week, his mother died. No hope. You probably know folks who you wished had come to Christ, but they didn't. And they've died. And we sorrow. They sorrow. Having no hope. In this room, there are those of us who have loved ones who've passed away, and they're in a place called heaven. And you know what? We're filled with hope. We sorrow. Oh, boy. We sorrow, but not as those who have no hope. And then he's going to tell us what's going to happen. He, he tells us the story in very simple terms, kind of like, well, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're wondering about those who've died, and they're in heaven, they're asleep, they're not here. Let me tell you what's going to happen. And so in very simple terms, there's nothing overly difficult about it, but it sure is exciting. He said in verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. What happens to the Christian who dies? Well, their body is put into the ground. And can I get in trouble? I don't mind getting in trouble. I'll just give you my personal view. Their body ought to be put into the ground. It ought to be put into the ground. And I'm going to leave it at that. I want you to think about it. We shouldn't do something else with that body. But the body is buried. But where's the person go? Well, praise the Lord. Paul made it clear to be absent from the body. And that's what will happen the day you die. If you're a Christian, you will all of a sudden be absent from the body. But you will also seemingly immediately be present with the Lord. So right now there's a whole bunch of people who are in heaven. They don't have a body, but they're alive. They know what they're doing. They're able to communicate. They're able to receive information. And there they are in the presence of God and with one another. Well, here's what Paul says about them. He said, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So when the rapture is ready to take place, and the Lord Jesus leaves heaven, he is bringing a mass of people with him. A mass of people. 
We'll talk more about exactly who they are and who they are not in a moment. But when he comes, they're coming with him. You know people, they're coming with him. He said in verse 15, For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, it's not Paul's philosophy, this is by the word of the Lord, his revelation from God, that we, see that pronoun, I really think when Paul said we, it's because he expected to be alive when the Lord Jesus came back. He didn't look down the road and say, well, whoever's alive back then, you know. No, we, he expected, I'm hoping, we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent. Old English word. You and I think of prevent, that means stop. But there's two concepts here. Pre is before. Vent is to come or go. That's the idea. So prevent means to go before. So he says, We which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not go before them which are asleep. So before you and I are actually raptured and taken up to be with him, there are other things that are going to take place very quickly to be sure. But the Lord Jesus is going to leave heaven. Right now he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. But the time's going to come when he's going to leave heaven. He is going to bring with him a host of saints. And as they come back with them, there's going to be a resurrection. And the resurrection will be of those bodies that have died. And all of a sudden they're going to come out of the grave. They're going to be joined together, new body with the soul and spirit in heaven, and in a moment of time, they're going to be whole again. Body, soul, and spirit right there with the Lord in the heavenlies. Wow. Verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and I want you to notice this, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The term in Christ is a technical term in the Bible. It is a unique New Testament term. The reason I want to emphasize that is because sometimes you'll hear people talk about the rapture and resurrection and who's coming back, and you get the idea that, that everybody who ever lived is going to come back with Christ at the rapture. They're not. Everybody who ever died as a believer through the ages are going to be raised at the rapture. They are not. It tells us exactly who is. It will be the dead in Christ. And again, in Christ is a New Testament term. Being in Christ never happened in Old Testament times. Being in Christ is a work of the Holy Spirit that takes place the moment you get saved. I remember one of my Bible college professors said, here's how you remember the work of the Holy Spirit that takes place at salvation. Ribs, never, that's why I never forgot it. Ribs, R-I-B-S, ribs. Never forget ribs, okay. The R, regeneration, you get born again. The I, indwelling, the Spirit of God enters into you. 
the B, the baptizing work of the Holy Spirit, where he places you in Christ. And then the S is sealing. Hallelujah, you're sealed, and you can never lose your salvation. This word baptize, you know, is an interesting word. And it's, it's translated baptized in Scripture because in the days of our translator's work, they did not immerse people in baptism. They sprinkled them or dipped them. I always tell people I was both sprinkled and dipped and poured upon in my three baptisms as a Methodist that big, Roman Catholic, that big, and then finally biblically when I got saved. But you see, they did not, listen, they did not translate the word baptized because the word baptized comes from the Greek bapto or baptizo. So what they did is, it's what they call transliteration. They took the Greek term and simply made it into an English term. So baptizo, take off the O, put on the E, you got baptized. Why didn't they translate it? Because they didn't like the translation. Because the word translated means what? Immerse or dip. That's what baptize means. So that's why when you read this, you read baptize because they didn't want to admit what baptism is. Baptism is you're put in, right? So our Lord Jesus Christ, when we get saved, has he's head of the church, and the Spirit of God baptizes us into Christ. We are put into Christ. That's what happens to you when you got saved. Never happened before the church. So you, right now, if you're a born-again Christian, you are in Christ. And you can find that term throughout the New Testament. You are in Christ. So at the rapture, the Lord Jesus comes back and who is going to be raised from the dead at the rapture? The dead in Christ. You see, the rapture is an event for the church. The rapture is the event that ends the church age. You say, well, what about those Old Testament people? They will be raised for the kingdom. And if you're not sure about that, take some time to do some research. I don't want to take the time to talk about it tonight. But they will be raised for the kingdom. That was the promise of God to the Jewish people. The king is coming. The king is coming. They're going to be raised and be in the kingdom. But you and I are right now in Christ. We're part of the church. And again, the church age will end at the rapture. So here it is. The dead in Christ. Woo! They're going to be raised from the dead. Get their new bodies. And then finally we get involved. So what does he say? Verse 17. Here's a time word. Then, as soon as that happens, then we, there's that we again, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. By the way, the clouds doesn't mean it has to be a cloudy day. The term clouds means the clouds of people, the masses of people. This event 
will be the first time the entire church, the entire body of Christ meets together. First time. It'll be all those believers from the day of Pentecost to the day of the rapture, and we're going to meet the Lord in the air, and we're going to meet with one another, and it's going to be some event. Oh, boy, it's going to be some event. I'd like it to be right now. Now, sometimes, you know, you'll have people who, who mock the idea of the rapture. And they mock it because they say you don't even have the word rapture in the Bible. And you people talk about the rapture. Well, that's true, we don't. And the reason we don't is because there was a guy named Jerome who translated the Bible back in the 4th century or whenever it was, and he translated from uh, the Greek and the Hebrew into Latin and produced what's known as the Latin Vulgate. Well, there was a term in Latin, has various forms. If you conjugate, it's one way. If you decline the noun, it's another way. But various forms, but the term is rapios. Rapios. And it's from that Latin term that we have the term rapture. But the Bible wasn't written in Latin. It was written in Greek. So where do we find this in the Greek language? Well, the term is harpazo. Harpazo. We're going to see that tonight. The term is harpazo. And it's rendered right here in verse 17 when it says... We which are alive and remain shall be, look at those two little words, caught up. Caught up. That term harpazo means to be snatched, to be taken up, caught up, raptured. It's quite a term. I want you to see the same term in a couple of other places in Scripture. I think it's, it's interesting. As a matter of fact, I just I love to read it and get this in my mind. Hey, that's that word. Now, where we're going to see it is not talking about the rapture with the church, but I want you to see the word. So hold your place here and turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 8. I love this experience. Acts, chapter 8. There's an Ethiopian eunuch in his chariot leaving the area. And Philip sees him, and the Spirit of God moves Philip to join the Ethiopian eunuch in the chariot. So he gets in the chariot, and the Ethiopian eunuch is reading from Isaiah 53. Philip says to him, do you understand what you're reading? He said, no, how can I except somebody explain it to me? Philip explains it to him, evidently gave him a whole lot of information, because look, if you will, verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth, began at the same scripture, preached unto him Jesus. As they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. The eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. By the way, that's one of the greatest testimonies to believers' baptism in the scriptures. Philip just didn't say, oh, you ought to get baptized. Everybody ought to be baptized. Well, that's what all the liberal mainline churches do, right? Everybody should be baptized. No, Philip said, you want to be baptized, eunuch? If you believe with all your heart, then you can be baptized. So if you got baptized before you got saved, get baptized again. 
Well, verse 37 goes on. He answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, something incredible happened. What happened? The Spirit of the Lord, what's the next two words? Caught away. That's harpazo. That's the term that describes the rapture. So what happens? The Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. They come up out of the water, and all of a sudden, boom! Philip is gone. He's gone. Why is he gone? Because the Spirit of God just raptured him. Look what happened. The Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, snatched him up, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found out of Zodas, another city. So there they are, right? Come up out of the water. He'd just been baptized, and all of a sudden, boom, just like that, he's gone. The Spirit of God takes him. The eunuch looks around. I don't know where he went. Gets in the chariot, starts heading on his way. All of a sudden, Philip shows up in a totally different area of Zodas. Why? Because he got raptured. He got snatched up. That must have been something. Some of you are looking like, I want to tell you, this is exciting. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians 12, I am convinced, is the testimony of the Apostle Paul. What he talks about happened to him. Chapter 12, 2 Corinthians, verse 1. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, and I love this when you think about it. He says, you know, whether in the body, I cannot tell whether out of the body. That must have been quite an experience. He said, I want to tell you, I, I don't know whether I was in the body or out of the body. I don't know what happened. He said, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Then look, such an one, see it? That's our harpazo, that's our rapture word. Such an one caught up to the third heaven, the abode of God. Same word, harpazo, caught up, raptured. Just taken up. Verse 3, he said, I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise. He's raptured. People say, well, you can't even find the word rapture in the Bible. No, you can't find the word rapture in the Bible, but you can find the rapture in the Bible. You can find this caught-up experience. And what Philip experienced only got him over to the next town. What Paul experienced got him to the third heaven. Someday you're going to experience it if you're a born-again Christian. Someday the Lord Jesus is coming back, and you are going to be snatched up and Paul described it as being in a moment. No time to get ready. Get ready, here he comes. Nope, going. In the twinkling of an eye. 
I know if I've ever talked about the rapture here, I've talked about the twinkling of an eye. General Electric tried to figure out how long it takes an eye to twinkle. And what they came up with is one one hundred thousandth of a second. Now, some of you don't have twinkling eyes, so it probably takes you two seconds to twinkle. But some of you may be quicker. <laughs> but that's how quick the rapture is going to take place. It's going to be quite an event, isn't it? The rapture. Well, verse 17, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, again, the clouds means the masses of people, to meet the Lord in the air. The Lord we have never met yet. We'll meet him in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So he says in verse 18, wherefore comfort one another with these words. You know what the comfort was all about? Those people who were thinking, well, my loved one got saved and they died, and what's going to happen to them? Paul says, let me give you comfort about that. Let me give you comfort. They're with the Lord. You're going to see them again. You're going to be whole with a new body. They're going to be whole with a new body, and we will be forever with the Lord. Now, if that doesn't stir you, you're not stirrable, because that's exciting. Now, turn with me to 1 John 1 John chapter 3. There are a couple of things I want us to think about. In 1 John 3, in verse 1, we read this. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God, the children of God. Wow. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And then he said this, And every man, every person, that hath this hope in him, purifieth himself, even as he is pure. The church doesn't seem to live with the same conviction to be pure, to be separate from the world, to be separate from sin. Doesn't seem to have that same conviction as it once had. The church is becoming more worldly. And while that's happening, there is quite a segment of the professing church that is calling into question the rapture as the scriptures describe it. But John says, you show me the person that has this hope in Christ. They believe it. 
they believed he could come at any moment. And he said, and I'll show you someone who will purify himself. Because he wants to be clean. He wants to be right. He wants to be ready. Should the Lord Jesus come in the next moment. And if you and I go out and live more and more like the world, we choose worldly ways, it is a testimony that we have not faced the reality of this blessed hope that he could come at any time. And then I want to give you this thought as we close. What if he came right now? Who do you know, relative, friend, neighbor, co-worker, who is not saved? Who do you know? What would happen to them if the Lord Jesus came now? In that moment of time when the Lord Jesus comes and the rapture takes place, there will no longer be a single Christian on the face of the earth. Every Christian will be gone. There will be no testimony for Christ. There will be no one to go to them then and tell them they need to get saved. Multitudes will be left without any answers. And how quickly the world will fall into the greater turmoil of the tribulation period, we do not know. But it'll happen rather quickly. And the world is going to collapse. All morality is almost gone now. Hatred is on the rise incredibly now. And imagine a world without a single testimony for Christ. And I would challenge us tonight, if you've got that relative, that friend, that neighbor, that co-worker, you have to do something to get the gospel to them. You have to do something whether it will be speaking to them personally, giving them something as we offered this morning, inviting them to church to sit under the gospel, starting a Bible study, I don't know. But I know this, the reason we are here is to be a testimony for Christ. The Lord Jesus speaks in the Gospel of John and it's recorded for us where he very clearly lets us know through his prayer to the Heavenly Father in chapter 17 as well as his other words to his disciples that as a born-again Christian, you and I are in this world, but we are not of it. We are not of it. And the more we stand for Christ, the more the world will acknowledge that we are not of it and their hatred will grow. But then the Lord Jesus in his prayer said to the Father, as you have sent me into the world, 
I have sent them into the world. And I want you to know when all is said and done, that's the only reason we're here. Wherever you live, whatever you do, whatever it is, the only reason you are here is because God has sent you and me into this world to be a testimony for Christ. And if we're not actively engaged in that, then we are totally missing the reason we're here. It's not about jobs, it's not about career. It's about people who are lost. And so I encourage you to think seriously, what am I going to do to reach that person who is lost? What am I going to do? I challenge you to commit to the Lord that sometime over the next whatever it may be for you, the next week, the next two weeks, the, the next month, somehow you are going to make the contact to begin to reach that person they're lost when my pastor's pastor friend's parents passed away and he had made effort he had made effort they rejected it but they were for a time right on the brink of eternity and now they have stepped into it and they are lost forever. And you know of people tonight, they are on the brink of eternity. There will be no chance for them should they die without Christ. And you and I have been sent to them. We live with this hope. Even so, come Lord Jesus. We live with this hope and we should but at the same time, there are people that we know who, if the rapture took place, they will be cast into the turmoil and wickedness of a world where they may never hear the gospel again. What will you do? Let's pray. Our Father, how we thank you that our Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. And with John of old, we do not hesitate to pray, even so come Lord Jesus. We look for that blessed hope. We wait with expectation. But Father, at the same time, we know that you have laid upon us a tremendous burden and responsibility. We have been sent into this world to give the gospel. Help us to accept that obligation personally. We'll thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.